Hi, I'm Sydney. And I'm Sam. And this is Books and Bagels. As always! Before we get into our main book for this week, let's go over some of this week's reads. I feel like this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone at this point, um, but I am, in fact, the podcast disappointment, um, and I had a lot of homework, and no, actually, I lied. Uh, I read, like, two pages of The Awakening um, for school. Clap, 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 clap. Which is my homework. So, really, I just have a lot of homework. But maybe... I think The Awakening's due next week, so maybe next week, my This Week read will be The Awakening. S- stay tuned for more. <laughs> um, This week, I got about a quarter of the way into These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong. Um, I really like it so far. I saw a lot of people on Instagram and TikTok or whatever talking about how cool it is. And the author's 23, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, and she wrote it when she was in college. And I think that the story so far is really intriguing. Unfortunately, it's a little bit grotesque. Um, Let's just say like the disease that they talk about in the book is uh, spread through insects. And I don't really like reading about insects. Um, (laughs) But we're holding on. We're holding on. And so far, the writing is really cool, really descriptive. You really get a feel for the setting of Shanghai and the movement of Shanghai and the movement of these gangs. And for this episode, Sam and I are going to be talking about the first book of the Red Queen series, Red Queen, by Victoria Aveyard. The book follows Mare Barrow, uh, Red Blood, from the slums of her kingdom, who somehow ends up in the castle of the Silverbloods and discovers that she has a very strange power, uh, which they only thought Silverbloods could have. So she kind of has to pretend to be a Silverblood and manipulate her way around this very corrupt kingdom um, while also joining a rebellion of red-blooded people who are tired of being oppressed. And so, as always, before we get into our favorite parts of the book, we wanted to go over some of the most important characters. And so, the most important character is Mare Barrow, who Sam has already mentioned, but she's the main character of this book, and she is born into a red-blooded family, um, and they're a very poor family in one of, like, the poorest villages, um, of this country. All of her brothers, uh, are, like, drafted into their military because they can't afford to, like, get jobs, and so, you know, they're, like, not doing too well financially, Um, and so Mary starts out as just, like, a pickpocket that's, like, sort of a family disappointment. And, like, not that she ever in this book becomes not the family disappointment, (laughs) but, like, you know, she, like, goes on to bigger things. Um, and so she runs into, uh, someone who I'm going to talk about next at a bar, and he invites her to sort of, like, work at the palace. And in, like, the first three days of working at the palace... Um, she learns that she has, like, these silver powers that she shouldn't have because she's a red blood, and so then she has to pretend to be, like, the forgotten daughter of this, like, dead general, and it's, like, all kind of, you know, she's working with it. 
Um, but the guy who finds her at the bar is Cal. Um, and Cal is, uh, the prince and the heir to the throne. And, um, yeah, he's, like, good guy, bad guy? Maybe? You know. He, he becomes plenty of different things throughout this book, but... The one thing that is consistent is uh, that his silver power, since he has silver blood, is his ability to manipulate fire. And uh, and Cal shares this like fire, um, like this manipulation of fire, uh, with his brother Maven. And like they're half brothers because uh, Cal is the son of the uh, late queen, and Maven is the son of the current queen. And that sort of results in, like, some family tensions that aren't really revealed until the end of the book. Um, and those tensions sort of, like, blow up in, like, the killing of their father. Um, which is, you know, not a good thing. Um, but Maven is betrothed to Mare in an effort to sort of, like, make her more convincing as a silver blood. Because, like, why would you ever betroth the red blood to the prince? Um, but he is not the heir to the throne. Um, and so he eventually, like, halfway through the book, joins the Scarlet Guard with Mare, um, but does he do it with good intentions? That's what we find out later, and the answer is no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that was so smooth. And finally, we have the mother of Maven, the stepmother of Cal, and the queen, uh, of the country, uh, Queen Alara, and Queen Alara is like really weird uh she can she's a whisperer so she can like see what you're thinking and like yeah so you're not really ever safe around her um yeah she doesn't really like mare at all um nor does she really like anyone but you know she's like she's doing her thing not a good thing but like she's doing it next we have Bartley who is the general of the aforementioned Scarlet Guard, uh, which is this group of red-blooded rebels who are systematically targeting silverbloods in power um, and kind of making their case known, kind of like Antifa, I guess one could say. (laughs) Um, And Farley's the head. She's the one who kind of recruits Mare. Um, And she's kind of like a tough girl boss, if you will. Um... She, yeah, she's, like, doing her own thing. She's tough. She's got the, like, not, like, the other girls type energy that Mare has, which is very unprecedented in a YA novel for there to be two quirky women. Um, (laughs) But she's holding down the fort. Next, we have Shade, who is Mare's dead, but not really dead, brother. Uh, He went to war because all Red Bloods are conscripted to go to this war that doesn't really have a point. Um... And he, quote-unquote, died. But Mare later discovers uh, that he is listed in a catalog of soldiers who exhibited similar weird traits, um, but were red blood, like her. And so she's like, oh my god, my brother, this is so weird. And then at the end of the book, she's on a train because she escapes execution, which, spoiler alert, she does many times throughout the series. Um... And he, like, wakes her up and he's like, surprise, not only am I alive, but I'm a part of the Red Guard. And I've been, like, you know, sneaking around. His power is that he can, like, teleport. Uh, So he's doing that. And 
next we have Evangeline Icon, another girl boss. Um, she's actually all three Gaslight Gatekeep and girl boss, <laughs> which is really cool. She is a silver blood that is betrothed originally to Cal. She wins this like selection meets the Hunger Games type series where each girl uh, who's a possible candidate for marriage shows off their tricks and she wins because she's super cool and she's very cold-blooded she only wants one thing and that's power and the cool thing about her power is that she can manipulate knives and other weapons and basically turn anything into whatever she wants it to be as long as it's made of metal so she is very cool but she's got that like mean girl persona she's not a huge fan of mare um and she's very suspicious of mare and lastly we have Kilorn, who Throughout this book, I was like, is there going to be a love quadrangle? Like, what's going on here? But Killorn's just there. He's a, a best bro of Mare's, also a red blood, also joins the uh, Scarlet Guard after his apprenticeship falls through and he almost has to be conscripted, which is very bad. Um, and he's just kind of like your average guy. He's hanging around, not necessarily an asset, but he's doing his best. Um, and he provides a kind of, you know, je ne sais quoi to the book overall. So our first favorite part of the book is I think what draws a lot of people to the story, which is the plot twist at the end. This plot twist is so well executed. It's actually incredible. And Maven goes on to be one of the best villains in a YA series I've ever read. Like, Darkling stands, hold on to your hats. My hat's are being like gripped with two hands right now because I actually haven't read like the rest of the series in a couple of years so I don't actually know what happens. It's well without giving anything away he's just like it's he's so complicated and it's very cool in a way where you're like you are sick in the head but I really like reading about you. Um basically uh for those who don't remember uh Maven kind of in a very surprise twist oh so Maven and uh, Mare kind of come up with this whole scheme to basically get Cal to surrender uh, their castle and basically like give up to the Scarlet Guard. And uh, Mare kind of believes that Maven's gonna like follow through on this issue and spoiler alert, he doesn't. And him and his mom kind of trap Cal, Mare, and their dad in this little room. And because uh, Alara, as Sydney said, is a whisperer, she forces Cal to kill his dad um, on camera. You know, gotta have the evidence. And Maven's kind of like, surprise, surprise, like, I was that guy the whole time. I wanted power. I'm working for my mom. Let's go. And you have no, there's just no evidence of that beforehand. Like, there's no foreshadowing that I could see. There's no hints. The only thing that, like, kind of makes you think, like, something's happening here is Mare, like, makes a lot of really obvious mistakes in her trying to cover up for the Scarlet Guard. And you're like, how can she get away with this? But you kind of pass it off as like, oh, this is just like average YA, like she could do no wrong. But then it's revealed like Maven and his mom were like absolutely covering up for her so that their plot would be revealed too soon. Yeah, he, I think the way that, cause he has like a, it's calculated, um, but he has like a very genuine way of sort of like, going forward with Mare like he's like it's at like one point he's like oh I just so happened to join the Scarlet Guard because I really care about you and like my friend who died and this is like the next step in my journey 
to, of like avenging him, you know? And you're like, oh, that's like really sweet. I like you. Yeah. Good for you. And he's like, I have this like list. I'm compiling a list. We're doing well. And you're like, good for you. Um, and then like 150 pages later, you're like, bad for you. You are actually like doing this all fake, but he's like, he's a good actor. <laughs> he's, he's so manipulative and evil. It's like, it's none of this like, um, morally gray Kaz Brecker, the Darkling type thing where you're like, hmm, like maybe I see a little bit of good in him. It's no, it's pure emotional manipulation. Like this kid feels zero emotions. You find out more about him and his past in later books, but as you read more about him, you're like, oh my God, this guy is just pure unvarnished evil. And it's really cool to read about him. <laughs> okay, so Sam has sort of like alluded to this already. But, like, Mare is really stupid. Um, not to, like, put it that bluntly, but, like, every time she does something... She does it badly. Yeah. You're, she's like, oh, well, like, they just won't notice that the lights happen to go out, like, all the time. Anytime I'm, like, wanting to do something, I can just, like, make the lights go out. And, like, that's not gonna make them a pattern. Like, how would anyone, like, put two and two together? <laughs> no. But, like... Anyone with a brain can put two and two together. Like, sorry, babe, but... You know, a little... Your head's not in the a right A little place. bit. Like, for example, she breaks out these Scarlet Guards from prison. But she does it in, like, such a bad way. She There's another character named Julian who's also able to manipulate people into doing what he wants. But he has to sing. Mm-hmm. He's a singer, which I think is really funny. Um... And she's like, Julian will help us out. And, like, Julian does, but he does it, like, terribly. (laughs) Like, this guy has been out of practice for years. And she's like, all right, that was great. Like, we're going to be fine. My fingerprints are, like, all over this. One guy's, like, dead. Like, she had to shoot somebody. Um, There's, like, electricity, you know, on the fritz everywhere because that's her power. And she, like, gets away with it. And she, like... (laughs) It's just like, all right. She's just like on cloud nine. She's like, everyone around me is so dumb. I can't believe they're not putting this together. But everyone around her is putting it together. They're just like, it's in their plan to not make her seem like the bad guy. Yeah. And, you know, you gotta love her because she's got the spirit. But boy, oh boy, you really wish she had just like an ounce more brain cells. And it's so funny because even at the beginning of the book, they're like, like, Victoria Aviart wrote in, like, Mare didn't pass, like, what is it, like, seventh grade math. Like, she took a math test in seventh grade and failed it and never took math again. So, like, her stupidity is, like, a consistent theme. Like, it's the reason that she was a pickpocket instead of, like, having a job or, I guess, an apprenticeship that would lead to a job. Um... Because, like, most people around her get an apprenticeship, but she's just, like, you know, a ditz, if you will. Yeah, she's a little, she's a little dumb. Um, which is, you might be wondering, why is this in the favorite part section? And we'll tell you. 
Uh, it's really refreshing to read about a character who's just really dumb. And I feel like the author, Victoria Aveyard, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I feel like she kind of intended for Mare to be dumb because we read all of these YA novels where it's like, she's a girl, she's quirky, she's <laughs> a genius, she's literally like manipulating this whole system and nobody suspects her. And this just turned the trope on its head. And I just think it was funny. Like, it made it, like, entertaining at the end when you kind of, like, put two and two together. You're like, okay, this isn't just me, but she actually is an idiot. Yeah, no, it's, like, really, it makes it more fun to read. Because, like, every once in a while she, like, tells someone a plan. And you're, like, listening to her say it. And you're like, oh, my God, no. But, like, it's really funny to, like, be like, I swear to God, if this actually goes through then I I have some talking to do and then it goes through but like terribly and you're like yeah okay so I have some talking to do. The next thing both of us really liked about this is that although Cal and Mare and Maven have all got a little something something going on there's no redemption arc for Cal by the end of the book where he's like I'll go with you like I'd sacrifice my life for you because it's kind of clear like he's the main love interest especially after it turns out his brother the other possible love interest is a psychopath and he is still a trashy dude by the end so even though they slow dance and they have their little moments and it's kind of clear he's at least emotionally cheating on his wife with her or his fiance with her um I think it's great to not have a romance completely plotted out in the first book I think it leaves a lot more to the reader and it keeps you more invested and their relationship continues to be very complicated and I think very different from the usual YA novel where they're like the only conflict they have is like minor misunderstanding and everything about them being from different social classes and being in completely different social positions throughout their life, it kind of, like, goes away. And I think grappling with this idea of, I guess, classism and to some extent racism, I guess, could you say racism? Yeah. Um, In this book, in the way that it divides people and love interests and it makes love complicated, I think that was really mature and really smart because it would have been so easy for Cal to leave with her at the end of the book yeah. and just be like, all right, man, like, <laughs> see y'all later. Um... I'm in love with this girl, uh, but he didn't because he's been trained his whole life to do a certain thing and act a certain way, and all that doesn't just go out the window for a girl. Yeah, and I think that it was nice that in, I can't speak for, like, the rest of the books, but at least in this book, it felt like more of a subplot than, like, the thing, because, like, the three, in my opinion, like, main YA dystopians are, like, The Selection, The Hunger Games, and Divergent, and in all of those... It's like, oh my god, well, the selection, the love interest is, like, the plot, um, but, like, more focusing on, like, the action books of, like, Divergent and The Hunger Games, like, even in the first book, it's like, the love interest is, like, this, 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 oh, like, this whole plan, this is gonna, like, flip on its head because of this, and it, like, somehow will always tie back into the fact that they're, like, soulmates, or, you know, whatever, and you're like, okay, but, like, what about the killing people? Yeah. Like, does that not take precedence? But, like, apparently it doesn't. Yeah, like, Maxon's complete willingness to just be like, all right, I guess classism is bad. Like, halfway through the first selection book is ridiculous. Like, this is, like, the opposite scenario, I guess, of Cal. With Cal and Mare. 
And I definitely think it's more realistic. We were sort of, like, just talking about how it differs from some of the main YA books, uh, YA the dystopian books, I guess, from the 2010s. But really, it's a lot like all of the YA books from the 2010s. Like, it's a girl. She's, like, as Sam said, like, a little bit quirky. She discovers that she's different from everyone else in a way that she had never imagined to be before. She, like, usually gets sent to, like, the capital or, like, something royal, you know. And then she discovers that the world is corrupt, but in a way different than she had thought before. Dun-dun-dun. And she's like, whoa, I gotta fix this. And then, though this didn't happen in the first book, I imagine it'll happen by, like, the end of the series, the world is fixed by her. Sam, can you, like, is that, is the world fixed by her at the end? It's pretty close. Yeah. There's always, like, a rebellion, and she's at the forefront. Yeah. They, like, usually explode something in the palace, or, like, a royal dies. Yeah. Looking at you, the selection. (laughs) shout out to celeste um may she rest in peace yeah i mean it's definitely generic and it takes a long time to get to the ending and this is kind of consistent of the other books where like the first 75 percent is ungodly slow and you're like pick up the pace i i need something to explode or like someone to be shot in the head (laughs) Enough of, like, two people talking in a closet. And then the last 25% is some of the most grotesque, detailed violence (laughs) I have ever read in my entire life. Like, at the end of every single book, I'm like, oh my god, is Victoria Aveyard in therapy? Um, And it's interesting pacing. I don't love it. I would like there to be less concentrated violence, more dispersed action throughout the book. But again, it's very prototypical of the classic YA, 2010s YA structure or formula. And as always, we like to give the books that we read a song, a bagel, and a star rating out of five. I'll go first. My song is I'm Not a Woman, I'm a God by Halsey. I feel like that's the general trajectory of the book. Um, she's not a woman. She's a superhero. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Also, I feel like the musicality of that song kind of aligns with the dark silver aesthetic of the book. Uh, that's a kind of convoluted explanation, but the vibes are there. You just have to trust me. Um, as for a bagel, mine's gonna be a little bit, a little bit strange, Um, But I feel like it's, like, a bagel with, like, chicken in it or something, like, iron-heavy or, like, protein-heavy because I feel like it, like, it's a good book. It's a very filling book, um, and it's definitely got, like, a little bit of extra something, even if the outside slash the formula is plain. And as for star rating out of five, this book and the third book are the best books in the series, um... And I would say this book is probably a 4.3 out of 5. There's definitely, again, first 75% is, like, trudging along. Um, And the last 25 is just so gripping and so engaging. Uh, So I would say, yeah, 4.3. Yeah, so 
my song, I'm going to do Pompeii by Bastille. Um, life is kind of falling apart in both the song and the book. But, yeah, I just feel like the vibes are there. Um, it does kind of feel like a silver song. Um, the lyric video has silver in the background. Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> woohoo. Uh, and so, yeah, there's that. Um, let's see. For a bagel, I feel like I'd give this, like, an egg bagel. Because I feel like an egg bagel kind of leaves you, like, a metally taste. I don't know. Maybe metallic-y taste. I don't know. And finally, I'm going to give this book, like, 4.3. 5 out of 5. Oh my god! Mark the day. Sydney's got a higher rating than me. Because I was, like, entertained. I don't know. I was entertained. <laughs> I didn't need, like, I was kind of, I'm tired right now. So I don't need more than, like, entertainment to get me through a book. Books and bagels in the morning. I lose my balance. Um, at this point, we're sitting next to each other at the, on the edge of the couch. Or I was on the edge of the couch. I was just sitting there on this, on, on this carpet, looking at the dirty carpet, wondering how I wound up on this carpet and why I was never, why I never noticed that the carpet was so filthy before. And I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. I just lose my balance. I lose my balance. Um, at this point, we're sitting next to each other at the, on the edge of the couch. Or I was on the edge of the couch. I was just sitting there on this on, on this carpet, looking at the dirty carpet, wondering how I wound up on this carpet and why I was never why I never noticed that the carpet was so filthy before. And I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. I just I lose my balance. I lose my balance. Um, at this point, we're sitting next to each other at the, on the edge of the couch. Or I was on the edge of the couch. I was just sitting there on this on, on this carpet, looking at the dirty carpet, wondering how I wound up on this carpet and why I was never why I never noticed that the carpet was so filthy before. And I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. I just I lose my balance. I lose my balance. Um, at this point, we're sitting next to each other at the, on the edge of the couch. Or I was on the edge of the couch. I was just sitting there on this on, on this carpet, looking at the dirty carpet, wondering how I wound up on this carpet and why I was never why I never noticed that the carpet was so filthy before. And I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. I just I lose my balance. I lose my balance. Um, at this point, we're sitting next to each other at the, on the edge of the couch. Or I was on the edge of the couch. I was just sitting there on this on, on this carpet, looking at the dirty carpet, wondering how I wound up on this carpet and why I was never why I never noticed that the carpet was so filthy before. And I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. I just I lose my balance. I lose my balance. Um, at this point, we're sitting next to each other at the, on the edge of the couch. Or I was on the edge of the couch. 
I was just sitting there on this on, on this carpet, looking at the dirty carpet, wondering how I wound up on this carpet and why I was never why I never noticed that the carpet was so filthy before and I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. I just used my back. I lose my balance. Um, at this point, we're sitting next to each other on the edge of the couch, or I was on the edge of the couch. I was just sitting there on this, on, on this carpet, looking at the dirty carpet, wondering how I wound up on this carpet and why I was never, why I never noticed that the carpet was so filthy before, and I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. I just, I lose my balance. I lose my balance. Um, at this point, we're sitting next to each other on the edge of the couch, or I was on the edge of the couch. I was just sitting there on this on, on this carpet, looking at the dirty carpet, wondering how I wound up on this carpet and why I was never, why I never noticed that the carpet was so filthy before, and I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. I just I lose my balance. I lose my balance. Um, at this point, we're sitting next to each other on the edge of the couch, or I was on the edge of the couch. I was just sitting there on this on, on this carpet, looking at the dirty carpet, wondering how I wound up on this carpet and why I was never, why I never noticed that the carpet was so filthy before, and I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. I just I lose my balance. I lose my balance. Um, at this point, we're sitting next to each other on the edge of the couch, or I was on the edge of the couch. I was just sitting there on this on, on this carpet, looking at the dirty carpet, wondering how I wound up on this carpet and why I was never, why I never noticed that the carpet was so filthy before, and I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. I just I lose my balance.